0: I believe God has some great things in store uh, for you this year. I think it's going to be a matter of us getting our minds and and hearts off of ourselves and focusing on Him. Um, I think sometimes whenever we hear that and say that and try to own that, we think God's going to mess up my life (laughs) because that's what we think God does. Uh, Because sometimes, very humanly and innately, we think we can do it better than Him. Um, Can we have any honest people in the room today? Um, I might not be the best in the world, but I am the most real, I'll tell you that. And uh, I'll own that for myself. Um, I believe that God's vision inside of you and the things that you are going to accomplish this year are completely depending on you yielding yourself to His power and His might. The Word says that we are blessed according to His riches and His glory and to His might and His power. Um, I like to link this with the other scripture that says, He knows the desires of your heart and longs to give them to you. Uh, The New Testament describes him as the giver of every good and perfect gift. And so he's not wanting to ruin your life. In fact, Jeremiah says that he has plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to make you successful and succeed. Psalms chapter 1 says that when you delight in the, the Word of God and meditate on it day and night, you're like a tree that's planted by streams of living water that yields fruit in season, leaves don't wither, and whatever you do prospers. That's God. That's His Word. What's the, what's the link there? The link is being connected to the right source, and the right source is His Word and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Could, would you agree with that? That's what our desire is here for you, for each of your families, and for us together as a church. Um, how many of you have some, some New Year's resolutions that you're trying to flesh out? And right about now, You've canned them. Just go ahead and be honest right now. They're they're not as powerful as they were uh, back in December or January. I saw one person's goals for this year, and, and the list said this. This is this is what the list said: get older, gain weight, do stuff, drink coffee, and try not to die. <laughs> that's that's the list. Seems like they're lacking some motivation here. Um, of course, I guess trying not to die isn't so bad of a goal, uh, but it, it's lacking something this. It's lacking vision. You know what vision is? Vision is that thing that ignites passion and it drives effort despite what's currently going on. It's this idea that there's something else out there for me that I don't quite see yet, but I've got a passion inside of me to push forward and, and, and to make my efforts go forward despite what I see around me. Have you ever seen what can happen when a group of people catch a vision and they work together to go after it? You ever seen that? They they do some pretty amazing things, extraordinary things. Think about the the two guys back in the early 1900s on the Outer Banks near Kitty Hawk who failed time after time, but they they caught this vision of what flight could do for mankind. And I don't know if you've heard the story. A sandy place, it it wasn't as lush as as it looks now. They described it back then as the Sahara Desert. And they failed over and over. But this vision burned so strong in them that they over and over and over again, hundreds of times until finally they flew a plane. They, it was a glider. They, they, they actually got off the ground and they succeeded. Let's, let's get practical in our lives. I, I've seen a married couple that was so far in debt that they, they thought they'd never, ever, ever get out. But they caught this vision, the two of them, that one day we can get out of this. And what would life look like if we actually could be debt-free, and so what did they do? They, they caught that vision, they stared at it in the face, and it motivated them to the point that they pushed all their efforts towards it, and they did this together. And every time it got hard, they remembered what that vision looked like of being debt-free. They remembered what it looked like of not writing uh, checks to other people, but writing checks to themselves. Uh, And they pushed, and they pushed, and eventually they were able to say, I am debt-free, we are debt-free. These are examples of people rallying around a vision that ignited passion in them and drove their efforts until finally they succeeded, despite what was currently going on around them. Vision is powerful, would you say? Great things can happen when we rally around it. Let me ask this, what happens when people rally around a God-sized vision? Well, what happens whenever people catch what God is doing and they rally around it? A little over 2,000 years ago, there was a group of people that watched Jesus ascend into the clouds. They were his disciples. They had been with him, and he was going back into heaven. And just before he told them, he said, I want you to go into Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for me there, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was getting ready to, to do something through them so powerful that nobody would have ever believed it, and that's launch his church. And so they went, and their instructions were to go and wait, and Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says that they they went when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. That word in the Greek means they were with one mind. They were all together. They had their, their motives and their eyes wrapped around the same thing. They were catching this vision, right? It said, and suddenly, say suddenly, Suddenly, a sound came from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There was this power of agreement that they had when they rallied around this God-sized vision, and the Holy Spirit came and empowered them. So what happens when people rally around a God-sized vision? Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit empowers them. These no-name guys did something that no one could ever believe. They... They went, the Bible, we sang about it. The Bible says that they they spoke in tongues. The word there literally means they spoke in other languages to where when they went out into the streets, it was a miracle. Each of the people, the the Pentecost, so many Jews came from different countries to this one event, this one festival. And when they went out into the street, they were speaking other people's languages. So they heard them, them praising God in their own language. Nobody could believe what happened. Some people thought they were drunk because it was such a a scene. They said, what's happening? How how are they speaking our language? Aren't these men Galileans? And so God used it. He empowered them to catch everybody's attention. Why? Because Peter was getting ready. One of them was getting ready to stand up. His name was Peter and preach a message and launch the church. 3,000 people that day gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ for the cause. A little bit later, 5,000 people by the time you get to verse 44 in Acts chapter 2, you see people that are worshiping together, they're learning together, they're sharing resources with one another, they're rallying around uh, each other to provide for one another, they're rallying around the community to provide for the community. Their lives were changed, and God was using them to change countless people around them. In fact, by, by the time uh, in their lifetime, they had reached the known world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then 2,000 years later, here we are, a branch of that church because of some disciples that rallied around a God-sized vision and were together in agreement, and the Holy Spirit empowered them. So let me ask again, what happens when people rally around a God-sized vision? The Holy Spirit empowers it and enables them to do things that couldn't be done otherwise. What would happen if if you and your family rallied around a God-sized vision in your home? What kind of healings would take place? What would happen if, if you had caught the vision of what God was trying to do in your life and in your family and everybody rallied around that and the Holy Spirit empowered you? What type of restorations would happen? What, what type of healings emotionally would take place? What type of financial breakthroughs, I believe, would, would take place? This is not some name it, claim it, prosperity thing, but what happens when we yield to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and let him empower us to do things his way? Well, the Bible says God's for us. And so I believe that powerful things begin to happen. Well, would your life and family look different? Would it, I want you to contemplate that. What is it that you're going through right now that you need change in, that you, you need a breakthrough in? You need something to, to change. When you think five years down the road and ten years down the road, what is it that, that, that just warps your mind you are so focused on? What would happen if God empowered that? He has plans for your life. And the fact is, is that God, He has no shortage of power. None. He, he, matter of fact, he's limitless, and he longs to pour it into you through the power of his Holy Spirit if you would come together in agreement in your family and, and wrap around a God-sized vision. The interesting thing is, is you get to decide whether or not you invest in that. You get to decide it. And the Bible is clear about the results of, of both, but he's, he's clear about whether you invest or not. Listen to what Proverbs 29, 18 says. It says if people can't see what God is doing, in other words, when, when people can't see the vision, there's nothing to wrap around, they stumble all over themselves. They keep coming back to square one. They, they go a little bit and they go back and they, they start and they stop. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. Listen, we, we make plans all the time. You make plans for your career. For some of you, you're, you're on a track because you've had a vision for your career. Some of us, we make plans for our kids. Uh, we, we make plans for Sunday lunch. How many of you know right now what you're having? Yeah, some yeah. <laughs> it's the first person that did anything today is when I mentioned food. All right. But what happens whenever we start making plans for our spiritual lives? What happens whenever we catch a God-sized vision for what he wants to do in our spirits, in and through us, to other people? And, and by the way, your spirit is the only thing that's going to last forever. So that's what vision does. Listen, Paul, he, he wrote later in his life as he reflected on the God-sized vision inside of him. He was writing to the Philippian church. Listen to what he said. He said, I gave up all that inferior stuff, what I look like, how I dress, what I'm going to accomplish in my life, all these successful things that we as humans try to pursue. He said, but I, I gave up all that so that I could know Christ personally, so that I could experience his resurrection power to be a partner in his suffering and to go all the way with him, even to death itself. He said, I want to love Christ so much that I'd be willing to die for him if it came to it. He said, if there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I, I wanted to do it. He says, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. I think we all could say that, right? He said, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. He, he got this vision, this God-sized vision of this close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And it enabled him to go preach. It enabled him to go and start churches. And some towns accepted him and some towns didn't. But you know what the result was? It was this, this gospel of Jesus Christ that moved west. Eventually, it moved to Europe. And we see the Reformation and people like Martin Luther. And, and then in time, it eventually got to America. Ultimately, it got to you and me. And all of a sudden, here we are. It's this, this passion of this vision that produced something in him. And it had this ripple effect. And it's still being felt over 2,000 years later and all over the world. What happens When a group of people rally around a God-sized vision, the Holy Spirit empowers them. Is that missing in your life? Could that be the missing link? I want to share the vision today of of our senior pastor uh, for our entire church. This is the entire bridge. And so I want to talk very practically today, but I also want to talk about um, some of the goals that we have as a location as well. So if you don't know... The Bridge Church right now is three different locations. Um, we are all one big family called the Bridge Church. We have a senior pastor that oversees all of our locations, and each location has a lead pastor. Um, and we have a vision that our senior pastor has, have, has given us that I'm gonna talk about today, and it's, it's for the entire bridge. And as we go through this, I wanna interject some goals that we have specifically right here at Goldsboro. Are you ready? That's four of you, yeah. All right, let me go back to who wants to eat lunch. Can we go back to that? No, yes, we're all ready to eat lunch. Um, I, I, believe, I believe that God is, is doing awesome things already in our church. But I want you to know that as long as today is called today and as long as we're breathing air on this planet, then God's not done with us. Would you believe that? And I believe that every so often we need to encourage and we, leaders need to step up and infuse people with vision. And I'm grateful for a senior pastor that's done that in us. And I want to share that vision today. And I'm grateful for our team right here at the Bridge Goldsboro. And we talk about our goals and we own them and what we're going to be doing this year specifically and how you can be a part. The goal ultimately is this, for us to rally around God-sized vision in our church and watch God empower it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this, this is what the vision is for the bridge as a whole. The bridge... Uh, is a vision of, com- of a community of people from every walk of life and background who are fully devoted to following Jesus Christ together. This is We're going to read different parts of this, but this I want to read that again, the first part. We're, we're a vision of a community of people from every walk of life and background who are fully devoted to following Jesus Christ together. If you look around this room now, would you see diversity? There's some diversity in here. But I heard somebody say one time that if your church doesn't resemble your neighborhood around you, then you're not doing your job right. And so evidently, there's room to grow, isn't there? I'm, I'm proud that we, are, uh, that we are somewhat diverse. I'm proud that we have people of color here. I'm proud that we have um, Korean people here. I'm glad that we have Hispanic people here. But I believe that God wants us to reach everyone. I believe that we can be a church where <clears throat> where not just white, predominantly white people come, but I believe we can be a church that that reaches everyone, every socioeconomic group, uh, every education level, every ethnic group, every age, um, every level of spiritual maturity. Would you believe that? <clears throat> no matter if you're if you're just coming to Christ or if you've been uh, saved a long time, and that's a dream that sounds crazy to a lot of people. Um, Except I believe with my whole heart, as does our senior pastor, that that's what God is calling our church to become. Um, If you read the New Testament, uh, this filled with whosoever will, whosoever will come, uh, come and lose your life for my sake. Jesus said, come after me. That's pretty inclusive. And I see the beginnings of of those things right here in our house and around the bridge all together. And I I believe that there are people that might say, you know what, if that's where you're going, I don't want to go with you. Um, And is that unfortunate? Yeah, but I believe there's a lot more people that will say, I want to give my life to something like that. Where it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter where you are along the the journey of following Jesus Christ, that this is a place where you're welcome and this is a place where you can plug in and you can grow. Now, we have a goal right here at the Bridge Goldsboro um, to, to see that. And along with that, we want to see people getting saved. Because if everyone is going to be here, then we want to see people growing in Christ and, and being saved. That's our number one priority. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. Our number one priority, no matter what it feels like we're doing, I want you to, to get this. Our number one priority is for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and populate heaven and empty hell. That, that's, what, that's what our goal is. Now, you may come in here and, and, and you see all kinds of things happening, different philosophy, different ways we do things, but we are anchored in, head deep in the Word of God, and we want to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have a goal of 50 people this year to, to, to get saved, to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus with my life, either for the first time, or maybe they've fallen away, and they, and they want to come to Christ and say, I want you to lead my life. 50 people. Glory to God. We've had five people already a year to date say yes to Jesus Christ. Can we just give God thanks for that? Amen. In fact, our our teenagers are on a trip right now. They're actually coming back, and I got word, um, I think it was yesterday, that one of our teenagers said yes to Jesus Christ on the trip that they were on. They were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. So, yeah, can we just say yes to that? Yeah, so God is moving here, and we want to see people get saved. So I don't care what we do. I don't care how we do church services or how we organize our church. There's so many different ways to do that. But it doesn't matter. If people aren't saying yes to Jesus Christ and God's not changing hearts by what we do. I want you to hear your pastor say that first and foremost. People getting saved. That, that is our goal. That is our, our number one desire. So we want to see people from every life and background who are what? Fully devoted to following Jesus Christ together. Say together. 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 Second part is this. We're a community of people who have their hearts, a biblical spirit of being producers in the kingdom of God and not just consumers a generous community honoring God with their time their talents and their treasures to serve others as they are being served These are people that we want not just to come and be consumers But we want to be a community of people who are producers in the kingdom of God honoring God and serving other people as they are being served Paul in the New Testament, he told the Ephesian church, and he told us, he said, stop acting like foreigners and strangers whenever you come into the family of God, but count yourselves worthy to be a fellow family member in God's family. How many of you feel sometimes when when you come in here, or you go to a bridge group, or you get around church folks at the bridge, and you just feel like a stranger, you feel like, like you don't belong, like a foreigner? You've given your life to Jesus Christ. You, you're plugged into this church, but you, you feel like a foreigner and a stranger. You know what happens when we do that? We, we hold back. I don't feel right there. I'm, I'm going, but I still feel like a stranger, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back. And Paul said, look, you've got to quit feeling like that and count yourself worthy to be a family member in the family of God. Because there's one defining factor that makes you a family member, and it's not what you look like, it's not how you dress, it's not how, what kind of car you drive or how much money you make that makes you feel worthy. It's Jesus Christ. He said he's the cornerstone, and that's the one thing that we all have in common. Every one of us have dysfunction from the back of the room all the way to your pastor standing here in our lives that we need Jesus for. Can you say amen to that? How many honest people do we have in the room? He said, and, and so what happens is, is when we feel ourselves becoming strangers, we pull ourselves out of serving because we just want to do something to validate ourselves so that we feel worthy. He says, stop feeling unworthy and count yourself worthy because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And when you understand that and you feel like you're a family member in the family of God, he said, family members work together. Family members serve. All of my kids have chores at home. Not one of them gets left out. Why? Because we serve each other in our house. And if you're a family member in the family of God, we are serving one another and being served, not just being consumers. He's saying that, you know what? He says we are becoming a a dwelling built up together with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, empowering us to do what we're supposed to do as a family. And family members enjoy the fellowship of each other, but family members also work together. And so are, are you a part of this church and you're not serving somewhere? Are you a part of this church and you haven't considered yourself a family member, but yet you've given your life to Jesus Christ? Then our goal this year is for us to have a culture around here where everyone is doing something, serving and being served. The goal is for you to be a part of this family, not to be a stranger. And that For that vision to become who we are, we all have to do our part. We all have to serve, and we all have to be served. And so there are so many opportunities for you to serve around here. It's not even funny. Some of them are on the location. Some of them are off the location. Some of them are once a month. Some of them are twice a month. But the goal is we want to be producers in the kingdom of God, not just consumers. I heard a pastor say one time very bluntly, we're not just interested in butts and seats. <laughs> we're, we're interested in you actually getting off of your butt and doing something around here for the kingdom of God to serve and be served. Would you agree with that? Part of, one of our, uh, part of our goals at, at the Bridge Goldsboro this year, um, and really everywhere, but sp- specifically at Goldsboro, um, is to create a leadership pipeline. And you may have heard that term before, you may haven't, um, but we want to create an organized structure where people can step up and lead at different capacities. Some, some people may just need to be grassroots just to kind of be a volunteer, just a member of a team, but I believe with my whole heart that God has gifted a lot of people in this room with the ability to lead at some level. And it's, what we're doing is we're organizing ourselves in such a way that if you, can, if you have basic leadership skills, we have a place for you. If you have leadership skills where, where you, can, you can manage and you can organize and pour life into and vision over a larger group of people, we have a place for you. Maybe you have, even, even you have the ability to lead an even bigger and see with a bigger view, we have a place for you. And so we've organized this leadership pipeline into three different levels. Uh, we have a director, we have a captain, and we have a, a team leader. And some ministries have team leaders and captains. Some just have team leaders, but every one of those lines for every single ministry go to a senior leader on our senior leadership team. And the goal for this year, as we go forward, is to define what every one of those things do. What, what does a director do? What does a captain do? What does a team leader do? and provide training for every single one of those so that when you're serving on a team somewhere and we recognize there's a potential for you to lead and you say, well, what do I have to do to be a team leader? We're able to hand you specifically what it is you have to do. Do this training, watch, watch these videos that we're gonna be producing and, and you can be a team leader. And then we're gonna give you opportunities to, 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 to dwell and to uh, flourish here at the bridge. We wanna give you opportunities to do that. Um, I believe with all my heart that healthy things grow. If, if your child stopped growing, you'd have him at the doctor, wouldn't you? Uh, healthy things grow, and when you're in the kingdom of God, things grow. And I believe that this church is, is getting larger. Not that God calls every church to be large in numbers, but I believe with all my heart that God has given us a, a footprint here, and I believe that we, we need to sit to, to structure ourselves and create a foundation for God to build on this. And, and we can't do it alone. And we can't do it just with five people leading, but we, we need we need lots of leaders. And I believe that God is gifted, and I believe God has called and give, and, and poured passion to leaders that are sitting right here in front of me. And we want to know who you are, and we want to give you an opportunity to lead. Another goal that we have here uh, when it comes to serving this year is for outreach. That's going to be one of our, our targets this year. Um, I know that we have a lot of military right here, um, at the Bridge, Goldsboro, because the base is right down the road. Um, I know a lot of people live off base, uh, but we have a lot of a lot of military, and we want to we we want to hear from you because we want to we want to provide service to you better. We want to minister to you better, um, and we have an outreach director. And part of that this year for Goldsboro is we want to minister to our military folks right here at TBG. We know a lot of you have deployed spouses at times. We know a lot of you are PCSing in or PCSing out. And we want to help provide ministry to you specifically for what your needs are in whatever season of life you're in in the military. And I'm just going to throw this date out there now. On March 3rd, we're going to be having just a a 15 or 20-minute focus group to talk about what are some of the needs that you as military families have. Maybe there there are some nuances that uh, people that are not in the military don't understand. And so Luke Sanders, our outreach director for right here at Bridge Goldsboro, he wants to, be, he wants to meet with you on March 3rd. So could, would you give 15 or 20 minutes right after the second service to have a focus group? And we, we want to provide ministry for you. We already have some ideas. I'm not going to spill all what that is. Um, but as the year goes on, we have goals and deadlines um, that we want to provide a, a, a ministry to you specifically. Um, we also have needs. Another branch of outreach for Goldsboro is is we want to provide opportunities for you to serve in the community. Um, we're already doing that once a month. Our location has a team that goes to the soup kitchen. Um, we always say soup kitchen, Luke, but really they serve hot dogs, right? So it's a hot dog kitchen. Um, <laughs> but but I'm telling you, man, it's a great team of people, and they've got a great serving line, and they they serve the homeless or people that are down and out that may, some of them don't have meals. Um, and there's homeless people there, and, and Luke, he he's our outreach director again. Such a heart, not just to serve homeless people hot dogs, but to minister to them in their in their need. To I've seen this man shed tears over them, not just because you know we're we're serving hot dogs, but because there is a a passion for people. And for some of you, you know, um, you're gonna you're gonna get the greatest ministry opportunity to go serve in that hot dog line. But for others of you, you, you share that same heart for people. It, it rips you to shreds to know that somebody is down and out, despite how they got there. You have the heart of Christ even deeper to know, I, I want to help minister to these people. And so uh, along with his heart, he's, he's wanting some people to come kind of strategize how we can cross that line, not just serve hot dogs, but how we can provide for them. Um, one of the things that we're going to be doing as a location this year is uh, twice, possibly three times this year, uh, we're going to be collecting items as, as a location, and you'll get a bag with some instructions on it, and you'll go home, and you'll fill the bag, and you'll come back, and uh, you'll leave it at, at the bumper of your car. We'll pick it up during service, and we'll take it where it needs to go. Uh, we're calling it a bumper crop, which is kind of, kind of clever. Yeah. But the point is is that we want to help provide the needs for some of these homeless people. Um, the fact is, is that, if I'm just being completely honest with you, you don't really understand the dynamics of homelessness. And so you can't just grab a bunch of stuff and go to the homeless community and just start passing it out like Christmas. It's a, it's a whole dynamic that, that we don't understand, but there are organizations in the community that understand this dynamic, and we're going to be working with them to help distribute some of this stuff. Some of you are, gonna, are going to collect stuff in bags, and some of that's going to be your ministry opportunity, and we want you to be a part of that. For others of you, your heart is burdened even more, and you're going to want to be a part of what they're doing in the actual homeless community, and we want to give you opportunities to do that. Um, But the fact is, is that God has called us to be family members and to serve each other and be served, not to be consumers. I, I quoted Francis Chan last week, and I'll quote him again. We're turning people into consumers when we're supposed to be turning them into servants, and in doing so, we're wrecking God's church. And so the goal for us this year, our overarching goal for the bridge, is for us to be a body of believers who are serving and being served, being producers in the kingdom of God and not just consumers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, The next part is, is that we are a community of believers who provide a hospital for the hurting, where the hopeless and the discouraged, the depressed, the frustrated, the confused find love, acceptance, help, hope, forgiveness, guidance, and encouragement. We're going to be a place where you can belong before you believe. Some of you have heard that that phrase, belong before you believe. Let me tell you what it means. It means that we are a church that provides an atmosphere where you don't have to necessarily have, have crossed the line of faith to come here and feel, feel welcomed. I, I love what, what Jesus said in Matthew eleven, twenty eight. He said, Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden. He said, And I'll give you rest. The interesting thing is, is that Jesus didn't didn't mean just saved people. In fact, when he was talking, he was talking to people that hadn't accepted him. He said, come to me. I am a place where you can come and find rest. But there are and there always will be people who haven't crossed the line of faith yet who need to sense the power of Jesus in their lives. And we need to be a church where they can sense that. It's interesting. The Holy Spirit is this amazing God who can change people's hearts. And he uses people to do it. He uses you and he uses me. And we are going to be a place where people can come and sense that they're not being judged. I don't care what their background is. I don't care what they're currently doing. It's not to say that we condone sin, because we certainly don't. But our goal is to be a place where people can feel the love of God. You know that that pressure creates resistance. Did you know that? That's why when Jesus called the first disciples, one of the first named Philip, he didn't go say, hey, you're a tax collector and that's really considered crooked and today, but I want you to do these five things. I want to pressure you into doing this and then I want you to come follow me. Just with the most loving, Holy Spirit-driven voice, he just said two words, follow me. And he did. None of them could believe what was happening in this tax collector's life. Well, could we be a congregation where people come in and they sense that same loving Holy Spirit through us? We want to be a place where people can, can find the love of God. We're also going to be a place who share the good news of Jesus Christ with the thousands of unchurched residents of eastern North Carolina and beyond. Did you know that there are 70,000-plus people in Wayne County alone that have never darkened the doors of a church, according to surveys? Now, They may have, have some biblical community outside of an organized church, but the survey says 70,000. Do you know that there is not a shortage of harvest? but there's a shortage of laborers. That's what Jesus said. Harvest is plenty. We've got plenty of harvest to go out and get. He said, but the laborers, the workers, the leaders, that's that's what we need. And so along this same line of not just being a consumer, but being a producer, we need to go out and get these people. And we need to be a place where people can come and feel welcomed here. We've got to have a mindset that says we're not just here to have great services, but we're here to provide a place where, where people can come in. Jesus said, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in that my house might be full. And are we a place that can do that? We're certainly going to be putting things in place this year to do, to do it. We're a community of people whose vision extends beyond its own reach by serving existing churches, starting new locations, and by traveling on missions trips, both locally and abroad. Again, this is the vision for the entire Bridge Church. Uh, we, we are organizing ourselves in such a way that we can plant new Bridge Churches. Not because we're so interested in getting the Bridge name out there, but did you know that churches are dying faster than they're starting? All across America, if you, if you do the surveys, there's, there's thousands of churches each year that shut doors. And pastors who quit, we are in desperate need to plant new churches, and we are in the process right now. Our pastor, as a part of the larger Bridge Church, um, to being a, a part of planning churches, and we're we're organizing organizing ourselves in such a way now where we're we're getting our organization ready to be able to duplicate. And so, we want to plant churches. Uh, we also um, want to 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 minister abroad. We spend thousands of dollars a year to minister to people in other countries uh, through missionaries. And there's some big changes coming. One of the things that we're doing is we're going to be um, adopting our own missionaries right here at the Bridge Goldsboro. And we're going to be funding some, uh, some missionaries to do some great work overseas and some right here in the U.S. Um, that's going to be coming in, in 2020, but we're structuring ourselves right now where we'll be able to do that. We are passionate not just about focusing on us, but focusing on planning churches around us and focusing on people accepting Jesus Christ all over the world. We're a community of people that believe that this is more than just a church, but it's a movement making an eternal difference in people's lives spiritually, emotionally, physically, and socially through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What happens when a group of people rally around a God-sized vision? The Holy Spirit empowers them. You, you can have whatever vision you want. If the Holy Spirit doesn't empower it, it's not going to happen. I read off a bunch of stuff that's good stuff. But if we don't rally around it and wait on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it won't happen. And so I asked you a question at the beginning of this. What could God be doing in your life to make you a place where His God-sized vision in you can flourish because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Are you yielded to Him personally? Because I I believe this with my whole heart, myself included in the boat. If I don't do something to yield myself to the Holy Spirit, if I don't fully yield myself to Him, and Him empower me in and of my own family and in and of my own life, this is bold, Then I bring nothing to the table here. That's a bold statement, but I'd be bold enough to say it for myself and for you. If you don't have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you're not yielded to Him, then we don't bring anything to the table here. But when you have a group of people that have yielded to the Holy Spirit, and are, like Acts 2, are in one mind in agreement, and rallied around a God-sized vision, and waiting on the Holy Spirit, then He empowers us. He empowers the individual. He empowers the family. And in doing so, it multiplies and He empowers His church. God doesn't do great and mighty things through people who are filled up with their own talent and ability. God does amazing, unthinkable things through people who are empty and have allowed room for the Holy Spirit to do His work in their lives and His strength and His might. So the last goal that I want to talk to you about for our location specifically is spiritual growth. I I want our church right here at Goldsboro to have a culture, not just... A place where we have some classes and do different things, but have a culture where everyone is working towards taking their next steps to, towards spiritual parenthood and, and i don't care where you are i don 't care if you if you've not saved or if you've just gotten just crossed that line or if you are moving right along if you 're a veteran I, I don't care I want everybody to have this mindset where we are all taking next steps towards spiritual parenthood. if you think about the the, the journey you, you have babies in Christ who are just just started we did a series on this a while back it's a great series talking about the steps of of spirit in your spiritual walk you have you have babies and you have adolescents and then you have you have teenagers and you have adults and then you have spiritual parents and defining what all those things are but we all can take a next step we all can can know what it is to take a next step and and I, we're going to have some classes we have uh, some some classes that if you've just gotten saved you can You can start and find out what your next steps are and find out kind of what this whole Christianity thing is all about. For some of you, it's a great refresher. But it's more than just classes. It's an air about the room. It's a a mindset that we all have together that says, you know what, I'm not just interested in coming here and and, and warming a seat, but I'm interested in knowing what God has for me and I want to rub off on someone else and I want them to rub off on me. And I don't know where you are necessarily, but I know where I'm at and I'm honest with myself and I want to take a next step. I want to grow in God. I'm not satisfied with just going in this rut of life, calling myself a Christian because I attend church services and I pray and I tithe and I read my Bible and that's all there is for me. But I believe that God has something extraordinary that he wants to do in my life. Not just me, but something extraordinary he wants to do through me. That's what God's message is to us. He wants to save our souls and then turn us around and infect every person that we see and come in contact with. And if we grasp that, if we really understand that, then we'll always be a person that's looking to God and saying individually, God, what is my next step in you? And joy and peace, all this stuff comes in when we draw into Jesus Christ. And and I, I want that to be the atmosphere here. I want that to be the culture. Culture meaning what do people assume? We don't even have to say a word. What do they just know? Well, by the way we talk, by the way we act but by the way we address each other, by, by the way we're inclusive of one another, by the way our bridge groups are functioning, just very bluntly, because it's not just about attending a church service, but it's about doing life with people in individual groups. I, I want us to understand where we are as Christians in terms of our spiritual journey, and I want us to be all taking next steps towards spiritual parenthood, not just as a checkoff, but just as a culture, as a mindset. We're all doing it. When that happens, then we become a church that's always growing. And because we're always growing, we're always leaving room for people that are just coming in to Jesus Christ and accepting him for somewhere to go. I think one of the saddest realities is when you've been attending church for five and six years and you have people that are coming in, new Christians, and they pass where you are, they pass where I am, because we're not growing ourselves and we're just attending and we're sitting. God can't do anything with that. Because when, when we get to that place, we've said, God, I'm coming this far in you and I'm drawing the line. God's a gentleman. He's all the power in the world and beyond, but he's not going to make you do anything. But what would happen if we all said we're going to be a group of people pushing forward in Jesus Christ? And that's going to be the culture of this church. And we're, we're going to do some things this year to help you do that. But through this process, I, I want to identify who the spiritual parents are in the house because there's a, a large group of people that are coming up that are, that are babies in Christ or that maybe they're adolescents and, and they need some mentoring. And, and I, if we're all taking next steps, then that means that we're all becoming spiritual parents. There's always this, this fresh level of spiritual parenthood being reached. And what do spiritual parents do? They raise other kids. That's what parents do. And that's what spiritual parents do. They, they look back and we wanna provide opportunities to connect some spiritual parents to some people in our our congregation that need mentoring, that need help. I would love to be able to sit down with every single one of you and help you, but the fact is I can't. We need spiritual parents in our church to reach back and be available to help those who are in need who aren't as far along. And so through this process this year, I want to identify through who some of the spiritual parents are. One of the taskings that I have as the lead pastor at Goldsboro is having a group of elders, appointing a group of elders right here. And if you're not familiar with what that is, those are a small handful of spiritual parents who have the kind of the air of the spiritual health of the church in mind, and they can pray for it, and they can give me direction, and they can be honest with me, and they can come to me and say, Pastor, I, I, I want to pray for you. And, and there are just a group of people that are dedicated, spiritual parents, volunteers, who say, I'm, I'm willing to, to take on this role That's something that that I'm going to appoint. But I can't do that unless I know who the spiritual parents are. In fact, I've I've been here a year and a half, and I I put that off last year because I said, I I don't know everybody that well. (laughs) I want to take some time to get to know people. And so that's one of the taskings. There is a structure that God has in mind for us that we can't just go out and tackle. We have to become that and watch God do it in us. So I wanna ask you again, what what could God do through us if we all rallied around this God-sized vision? What could God do through you if you rallied your family around a God-sized vision? I'll tell you what can happen. The Holy Spirit would empower you. The Holy Spirit would empower us. And so I want you to, to answer two questions for yourself before you go, and that's this. What is the vision for my life? If you don't have one, Get in your prayer place and you need to pray and you need to figure out what that is. What is the vision for my life? What is God calling me to do? What is my passion? What is my calling? What is my ability? And where do all those three things intersect? What is my passion? What is my calling? What is my ability? And leave room for God to do something amazing in you. And then go for it with your family, with everything you have. What is the vision for my life? What is the vision for my family? And what am I doing to help make the vision for my church a reality? That's the second question. What am I doing? I want you to answer that. What am I doing to make the vision for this church a reality? I saw a cartoon recently of a man. He was holding a letter and he was reading it to his wife and he was kind of sweating a little bit. But the caption said this, Honey, it's from the church. We're being called up to active duty. <laughs> and then I thought that's, that's what God's challenging us to do. He's challenging us to step up. God is, is doing some great and mighty things in us and through our church and he's going to continue to empower us as we rally around this vision because Proverbs 29, 18 says that when we attend to what he reveals we're most blessed and I hear God saying to you today don't hold back let me show you let me bless you and so if you haven't jumped in yet if you're still on the fringes my challenge to you today is jump in My challenge to you today is is don't let everybody else do all the work, but jump in and let God show himself through you and empower you. Let him empower your family and let him empower this church as we rally together. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this time together and this, uh, your word being spoke. Wherever the word of God is preached, people are going to turn to you and lives will be changed. God, I, I know you have a great plan for this church. Lord, and I know it's a plan that we don't see all the details yet, but Lord, you're challenging us right now and my prayer is that we say yes to you, whatever the next step is. For those of us in the room that need to take a next step in you, they need to serve, they, maybe they need to give, maybe they need to pray. Whatever it is, Father, Holy Spirit, make it clear and let them take that next step. Let us be a church that rallies around this as your Holy Spirit empowers us. Let me ask this really quick before we go. Maybe there's somebody in the room today who their next step is this. I need to accept Jesus Christ in my life and let him lead. I said a little bit ago, I don't bring anything to the table here unless God is empowering me because I can't do it. Ryan Barbado, all by himself is not enough to change lives. (laughs) But when the Holy Spirit empowers me, I bring his empowerment to the table and you do the same. So, so maybe you just maybe you need to say yes to Jesus Christ and make him the lord of your life. I want to say a prayer and I want you to agree with this if this is you. God, I need you. I I need you. I've tried to do it myself and ultimately I know deep down there are places, voids in my life that I can't fill. The bottom line is is at the end of this life I'm going to be faced with one eternity or the other. And I can't stand before a perfect God and a perfect heaven and demand that I be let in based on my imperfect self. But Jesus came to this earth to die for me, and I accept his perfection. The Bible says that he came to this earth to die in my place, to take on the debt of my sin, so that when God sees me, he sees the perfection of Jesus Christ and worthiness. I don't know how all that works. I couldn't begin to describe in the details of how all that works but I do know this, I believe it and I believe you show yourself to me time and time again you show your love to me even when my feelings don't feel it, your word says it and I, I, mean, I believe that in faith I believe that Jesus came to this earth to die for me I believe that he really died and that you rose him from the grave and so every day I just, I, I make him the Lord of my life all my decisions, I, I want to be in and through Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit I believe that you're helping me and I believe, as, as Pastor said today, you can empower me. So have me and use me. I know you have the best in mind for me. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.